What is going on? Welcome back. Welcome back. Yo, how sick were those talks, though? You know what I mean? That last one was just so Hype cool. Up, <laughs> Let's go, bro. <laughs> just, just, I just got to do it, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Um, man, I appreciate both of you guys. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Every single time I talk to either one of you, it's life-giving, for real. You guys are beasts, both of you. Me too, man. Um, you guys didn't see it, but... Susie was really, like, hyping Deucin up, because Deucin is the most selfless human in the world. <laughs> I'm the hype man, <laughs> like, dude. I don't think you guys realize the impact that, uh, you know, his decisions have made on his life. Like, it's, they're forever decisions that are very selfless and beautiful. And so, yeah, it's a good thing. I'm going to shout out some people in chat here. I see Pastor Boz. I see Vix. I see Saint Bear. I see Imu. Huh? Im- Imu. That's what that says, right? I'm not losing my mind. Portland Law, Sunny Money, you're here. What are you doing? Slightly Technical, Pinky, Shayna, what's up? What's up? Appreciate you guys tuning in, hanging out. Now, if you're typing a question in chat, if you would just put who you want to answer it, or you can say everyone if you want to, however you want to do that. But if you have somebody specific in mind, just so I don't misdirect your question, that would be helpful for me. But because I am selfish a little bit, right? We were just talking about servant leadership. I'm going to be selfish (laughs) for a second. I'm going to ask a question that I'm interested in to each of them, and then I'll open it up. And so if you're in the room, I will open it up to you, and we'll open it up to the chat as well. But meditation, all right? It's an interesting topic. Yeah. Often controversial. Sure. Because there is this weird idea between the difference between Christian meditation and the Eastern practice of meditation. And so I've heard it said... There is no way a Christian should practice meditation. Because if they do, you know what I mean? I heard you say a, a slight, you, you hit this, like they're emptying themselves so other things can come into their life. Sure. And what would you say to the person that has negated the practice of meditation because they're, they're fearful of what might happen? Yeah, well, first of all, I would point them to Psalm 1. Mm. Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3 really is where we get the idea of like the importance of meditating on God's word day and night. So first and foremost, just to kind of tear down the argument like Christians shouldn't meditate, yeah. Psalm 1 would say like, well, then you're not following the Bible, right? <laughs> right. Like it's just the biblical <laughs> mandate. Yeah. It's just, at, at its simplest core, it's just that simple. The Bible tells us to do it. But really when it comes down to like this idea of like emptying yourself, I can get along with that mindset as long as you're, you know, answering, well, what am I wanting to then be replaced with, mm. Right. So this idea of like emptying yourself can also kind of fall in line with the idea of like dying to yourself, right? Like when you think back to the Old Testament, when they would do these sacrifices of animals, they would, I know it sounds gross, I think I'm gonna do this today, right? But <laughs> they, would, they would kill animals and they would sacrifice its blood and they would drain all of its blood out. Yep. Because in, the Bible says that in the blood represents the life of the being, the animal, the human, which is why Jesus died on the cross to shed his blood. He emptied himself for us. So this idea of like emptying yourself is actually biblical in correlation with the idea of like dying to yourself. But why are we emptying ourselves? So that we can be filled up with the Spirit of God, with the Word of God. So one, Psalm 1 would point us to the importance of doing it. And two, they might empty themselves to put other ideologies in them, but we're emptying ourselves so the Word of God can fill us. 
So I don't have to worry that I'm accidentally going to empty myself of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't accidentally lose the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Okay, okay. So just for anybody that was wondering about that. Correct. Um, now you know. Now you know. All right, my other selfish question. Pastor Deustin, you had so much going for you. And then you chose this life. What were you doing? No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. You had so much going for you, right? You'd like, in the, in the terms of success in the world, you were on a path to solo glory, solo success. Yeah. And you hear this call from God. You get this burden on your heart. Yeah. When do you decide, like, I'm going to give up the dream for the real dream? Hmm. <laughs> Man, that's a, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> part of it is obviously that we want to be led by the Spirit. You know, if, if we're people who are following after God, uh, just as a person, like I have my dreams, I have my goals, my desires, the things I've worked on. Like I was talking about tennis, that's all I did. I spent my whole life on that. That was the dream. That paid for my college and whatever. Um, but whenever God intervened, like part of me is saying, well, then why did you let me do this for all these years? You know, what was the point? (laughs) Um, But something actually really interesting, whenever I was going through all my my ministerial preparation and and credentialing, and whenever I was going for my final ordination interview, I'm sitting there with all these presbyters who are like hearing my my story and whatever, and I'm sharing the call of God on my life. And and I said, jokingly, I, I talked about tennis, and I said, yeah, in my previous life, you know, blah, 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 and just joking. And one of them got real serious. He's an older man, been in ministry forever, and he got real serious, looks across the table, he says, young man, let me tell you something. God never wastes anything Oof, in your life. Wow. That may be something that he brings back one day. Yeah. And... Uh, so that's always stuck with me. I kind of feel like that's come to pass with just gaming <laughs> now that I'm u- utilizing that in, in sharing the love of God with the gaming world, you know. But, um, yeah, so, like, in that moment, whenever I feel like God's calling me into to ministry or to adopt Eva or to do whatever, um, it's, it's really just one of those, uh, kind of like I talked about on the first night, being surrendered right. is saying, you know, hey, I want to do this, but more than that, I want what you want for me. I want yeah. your will for my life above everything. And if that's not this, I lay it down. I love it. That's so good. Yeah, I think sometimes we do get, we get caught up in this idea of like, why am I in this season? Like, yeah. what, was, what was all of this for? Yeah. Right? And I've been through now a bunch of transitions as I'm getting older. And I'm like, man, I spent so much time. I felt like treading water. And then it never fails that the next season of life, I use something from that season. Yeah. And it's the beautiful, like, craftsmanship of God in mm-hmm. our lives. That's a great way to put it. And it's, he, he, like, he, that's a perfect way to say it is he doesn't waste anything. Yeah. You know, he knows what he's doing even when we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> that's true. And, uh, you know, even when we're, like, yanking on dad's shirt, like, tell us, please, like, we need to know the next thing. And God's so many times reminded me of, imagine what you would do with the beautiful white shirt. You know what I mean? (laughs) Imagine what you would do with it. And that's why you put it on before you leave the house, like right before you're about to go to that event or whatever it is. And so, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. All right, do we have any questions in the room for these amazing people? I am pre-ponging in the back.
what's the best way we can promote God Squad Church? So do you mean that outside of our community or inside of our community? Yeah. So this is what I believe is when you're a church member, when you are a part of a church, you start to take on the image bearing responsibilities of that church, right? So when you do something that is ill-gotten gains, when you do something that is maybe deplorable, it is a bad image on the church. It's also the same when you do things that are good, right? And so when you're in, when you call God Squad Church your home, it's so important that when you're carrying that image of being a part of this church, that you're carrying it well. And I think one of the best ways that you can steward that idea is sharing the mission, right? But being someone worth listening to about that mission. Because if your actions are, are bad actions, and then you try to, you know, talk how good God Squad churches, they're going to be like, well, I don't know about that place, because I don't know about you. And so you are kind of like a portal, really, around the world for what we do. And so if you also serve at maybe a local church, um, you know, talk to your pastors about our ministry. Talk to what we're doing, the mission that we have. Uh, I say this all the time, but we're more of a mission than a church, but we're still a church. Um, but what I mean by that is, you know, specifically in the assemblies, when you have an AG missionary, they're not just going over to a new place and just doing nothing. They'll set up a church or they'll set up a ministry of some sort. And that's seen as being a missionary. And we've been missionaries in the gaming space for a long time. And so, yeah, if churches want to support us and be behind us and behind the vision, we want to partner with them. We also want to help them, you know, be able to reach those that are outcasted, reach those that maybe they just have differences and they don't know how to reconcile them. Um, that's kind of what we do and what we specialize in. So, yeah, beautiful question. Awesome. Yeah, all three of us are in that place, or were in that place at one point. So, you know, how do you guys, working, whether it's streaming, I know that correlates pretty heavily to your ministry, but you also do other things. How do you guys take your ministry and reach gamers or nerd culture when you're not working? So what is some of the things that you guys do? Sure. So actually, what I think I'd kind of like to do is kind of like to tag team both those questions, because I feel like they, in some ways, correlate you know, Jesus has many nicknames that the Bible talks about. They, they call Jesus King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace. I think probably my favorite name for Jesus is Friend of Sinners. Mm-hmm. And I think twofold, one of the best things you can do to promote God Squad Church, one of the best things you can do to foster a community where people use the word a safe place for Columbia video games, is really ask yourself the question, like, am I doing life with lost people? Mm-hmm. Like, am I actually spending my time with people who don't already go to church, who don't already know Jesus, am I a friend of sinners? One of the things I've loved recently, I started a World of Warcraft community called Unity Gaming. Shout out Unity. I, shout out Unity. <laughs> I, I spent so much of my time, not all of it, because we got to have times to come together and get refreshed and be built up and iron sharpens iron. But like, I have so much time throughout the week, like I'm literally just hanging out, doing life with people who don't know Jesus. Right. And that just naturally gives me opportunity to promote my faith, promote God Squad Church, which for a lot of these people is, they're more likely to go to a gamer church than a non-gamer church. Mm -hmm. Some of them might not prefer it, but 
that's for a lot of people, it's the, it's the connection point. Right. Like a church for gamers? Yeah. That's a church for me. We were playing a uh, Two Truths and a Lie mm. in the middle of one of our World of Warcraft raids. In between, <laughs> in, I'm serious, in between killing bosses, one of the raid leaders was like, let's do a Two Truths and a Lie. Everyone's saying their questions. And, uh, you know, I did my Two Truths and a Lie. And one of them, like I did it on purpose, led to, it was the truth, but it's almost like an unbelievable truth. Yeah. Kind of jukes them and think it's a lie. Yeah, it's a whole strategy <laughs> behind it. But it was about a miracle that, got, that happened in my life. And so when they asked me, like, how is that true? I got to just share the miracle that God did in my life. And so these are like, by being around people who need the information of God's word, it is just a natural place to create that promotion, that advertisement for the church, get people plugged in. And then really to get to your question, Brombin, like play video games with people. Like spend some time. I mean, you're already in the Final Fantasy 14 category in my Discord, right? Like be intentional, like look for people to play with. When you're in the solo queue, when you're jumping in, like be intentional to like meet people, connect people, invite people. I got a positive Discord you can come and be a part of and it creates a place to be together and, you know, two birds and one stone, then naturally you're doing your life in front of people, sharing your faith with people, giving answers to why you do the certain things that you do, and it right there becomes an invitation and a space where people can come be together and experience Jesus. Oh, okay, okay. So Jesterfoot just asked, um, what are some ways IRL that we can make that impact, not just digitally, um, to be able to, whether that's promote God Squad or that's reaching people with the gospel, so on and so forth. And so do you guys want to answer that? You go first, man. Go for it. So (laughs) for me, and what I think is a beautiful thing is this idea that all of our content is attainable from wherever you are. You can actually download our content and be in the middle of the Amazon and load up a phone or a tablet and you could show our streams, like there, or show our, you know, recorded videos. So there is so many opportunities for you to be able to connect with people through that. But if you are having, you know, one of the ways that I guess I do this IRL is uh, I do a a D&D small group. And so so I just have people that want to play D&D come and hang out, and then one of the ways that I do that is I ask if anybody wants prayer. Um, is there a way that I can help pray for you? Is there a way that I can help, you know, build you up? Um, and then I usually share something that's going on in my life, in my heart, that God's doing, and that often, you know, really shares my faith and where I stand. And then we can take that and we can leverage it in, in multiple ways, but one of the things you could be doing is, like, locally you could be doing a watch party. You know, our Saturday services are pretty cool because, once again, they're modular. You can play them like it's live at any point. Um, But they're also two different times. And so even in Texas, what, the times for our services are 12 and 6 p.m. And so you could have people over and watch that together and just really start to create a IRL community around a digital platform. And, you know, that's something we're definitely passionate about in the future. And we've talked about, you know, explicitly a lot. Uh, so, 
yeah, that's one of the ways I, I would suggest doing so. Yeah, I'm going to tag team off this man's little amazing sermon about going out of your comfort zone. But sometimes when it comes to like talking to people, inviting people to certain things like watch parties, mm. for me, like this is how my brain works. I focus on facts over feelings. So the reality is, in, in like, especially when we grew up as gamers, we're like, yo, nobody's like me. I'm that one loser, odd, odd guy out that plays World of Warcraft, which I totally do, and I'm not ashamed. But <laughs> the reality is like stats tell us that like more than like 50% of Americans play video games. 100%. So by going out and kind of putting yourself out there, by simply ask a question with maybe a coworker, someone you know in real life, hey, like, you do any gaming at all? Like, there's a 50% chance they're going to get a yes. Right. Like, and in today's world, like, even if the answer is no, like, it's, gaming's becoming more normalized mm -hmm. to where it's not like, ooh, did you just tell me you don't shower? Like, you're like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you're not going to be met with that. Like, your 50% chance you're going to get a yes, and then that just is a practical thing to open up a conversation that could invite someone to be at a watch party, yeah. to come to your house. Because obviously the easy answer is like, hey, invite your friends to church. But with our church being niche down to gamers, they're not a gamer. Not that they're not welcome. They just might not feel like they connect. Sure. But if you know a gamer, invite them over to play some games. Invite them over yeah. to do a watch party. Really just kind of get them into a, if you're talking about IRL, to a space together. You bond on that common interest. Maybe it's not even church at first. Maybe it's like, hey, what game do you play? Hey, I play that. Hey, come over. Let's do a little land center in my living room. Dude, I'll buy the Doritos. You know what I mean? And, uh, and just get them over. And then that, that builds into a, now, you know, if you want to watch church or get in the Discord, like it's a, it could be a step-by-step kind of process. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's, it's even easier than inviting to a, a, a local physical church, because as soon as you make that invitation, which we should be doing anyway, yep. I mean, it's, what's the statistic? It's like 6% come to a church because the pastor invited them, but it's like 84% or something, just because someone invited them. Yeah. But like, you know, because we've all tried this, as soon as you start that conversation, all these walls come up because then every like piece of baggage or whatever, well, I went to this church, they did that, I, I think this, and like all this stuff starts piling up. But if you bond over a common interest like gaming, you start that, well, hey, just come over, let's play some games and we can watch this church service and experience that together. That's like such an, an easy in yeah. Yeah. that, hey, it, it should take some of the load off of stepping out of that comfort zone and, and starting that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and just to add on to that idea too, like there is an idea behind that we have to have like, I don't know who this has been spurred on by, but I see it a lot of times where you have to feel like you're over, overtly prepared to talk about Jesus in your life. But the truth of the matter is none of us have it all figured out. And so if you're following after God and you're being a person of devotion, then it should be eking out in your life in different places that doesn't mean you have to go everywhere you go and be like, Jesus did this, Jesus. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but it's like, if I'm a friend of somebody and I'm like, Susie, you know, do you want to go to hang out on Saturday at one? You're going to say. Probably yes, I'm free. Yeah, if you're free. But what might you have to do on a Saturday at 1 p.m.? But for most people? Yeah. That much? Exactly. But on top of that, our services... Saturday at 1 p.m. Oh, I thought you meant like what, yeah, know, what know, normal know, people do on a Saturday at 1. Like, it's, all right, free. it's all right. He's also usually at the night service. So <laughs> I, I really said you I wrong. stream the first service. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so what are you going to be doing at Saturday at 1 p.m.? I'll be watching church, bro. You're going to be watching church. And so you'll be like, I'm going to be at God Squad. And so it's like you didn't offend them. You weren't trying to shove faith down that you were just yeah. letting them know what you're doing in your life. And that becomes a door. Every single conversation I've had online or in person that has to do with Jesus in the last however many, it's because I'm serving God. It's not because I have to like create this weird opportunity. It's not because I'm befriending people to get them to know. 
no, I'm just being a good friend and a good human and then revealing like, this is who I am. Yeah, yeah. part of my and life, And yeah. that, that becomes interesting to people that are like, I like who you are. And that's why the transformation in your own heart is so important, yeah. personally too. Yeah, great question. Great question. Thank you, Jessica, for that too. Um, St. Bear said in the chat, does following God always mean giving up your secular passions? I'm going to direct this towards you, Pastor Houston. Who? Does following God always mean giving up secular passions? No, I, I don't think so at all. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, sometimes we, we compartmentalize our faith and our life and we say, well, this is, you know, Monday through Friday, I do this and I am this person, but on Sundays or Saturdays or Wednesday nights or whatever, I'm, I'm, you know, in church and then I'm a Jesus person. But no, like God, he utilizes all the aspects of our life. So in the, the example of my own life that I was sharing earlier, tennis or gaming or whatever, like those things, God's not wasting those things. God will use and utilize those things. It, it's then up to us to say, okay, Lord, I feel like you're leading me here how do I use and utilize the past experiences, the things you've done in my life before, the person that I've become to be more effective for you? So it's not one or the other, it's both. That's why, you know, every missionary or every pastor or whatever isn't just this cookie cutter person. Everyone is, is different and unique. Like being called into ministry, I felt like, God, what are you doing? I can't do this. That's not my personality. That's why I changed my major in college to speech communication because I couldn't speak in front of people. I would like start shaking at my desk in high school if I was in speech class. If I had to get up, I couldn't do it. Yeah, me too. So I, yeah, so I had to do four years of speech class to get over that. And now I pastor and, you know, stream and whatever. Um, but God uh, will use your personality, your traits, your whatever, and even your secular passions, your hobbies, the sports you do, the, the hobbies you like, the shows you watch, whatever, to be able to, to build a bridge, to connect with people. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to, to separate them at all. God will use them. I think a lot of times people give the lives follow Jesus. We focus so much on the die to self, die to self, die to self, but we sometimes almost go with it in the wrong direction. It depends on what are you giving up? What do you need to remove? And sometimes we th- in church we throw around the word secular and everything in the word secular is bad. I'm not even lying, I, I grew up in a church where like going to the movies was bad. Didn't matter what movie you were watching, like going to the movies was bad. You could read the lobby, bro. You're, you're too close to the line of sin. You know, like I'm getting popcorn, you know, like what's going on here? <laughs> the popcorn at the movies is of the devil. It, you know, it, we throw this idea of secular is wrong and then when I get saved I gotta give up all the secular things and the reality is God wants to use some of those things just like he was talking about now you gotta be mindful there are certain things that God does want you to get away from there's some sinful behaviors God wants you to get away from but the reality is especially if you've been doing something for years you've been involved in a community you've developed a habit or a skill you might not have to give that up you might have to give up what you're doing it for I'm no longer just doing it for me or my own pleasure or benefit or what I get out of it. Now I'm doing it for God's glory and the benefit of other people. So like we talk about gaming. Gaming is secular. It is not spiritual. Mm. It is not even demonic. It is a neutral. Mm -hmm. It's not good or bad. Depends on one, the content of the game, obviously, and then how you're using it. But not every game in the world is Bible X game in the Lobby, which if you haven't played, there's a little free little plug for you. Yeah. Go and check it out, 20-minute demo. It's absolutely S-tier. But if we gave up gaming, we wouldn't even, like, we wouldn't even be here. Like, right. this wouldn't even be here. 
And the reality is it's not that God wants to remove certain things of your life. There are some he will, but it's not just him removing things. He's also redeeming things. And so I'm not going to remove gaming. I'm going to redeem gaming. Let's give it a purpose. Let's give it something good because the reality is, especially we talk about like pastors, like they aren't in a lot of the worlds that a lot of you guys are in. You are the missionary to those secular hobbies, tennis, video games, anime, like whatever it might be. Like you are the missionary to those places. And so if God removes you from those things, there might not be a way for his story to be told in that avenue. And so be mindful of what God wants to remove and what he wants to redeem. Because no, I don't believe we need to give up everything secular in our lives. We can use it for God's glory. It's really good. Really, really good. Yeah, the only place that that doesn't work is League of Legends. So, uh, <laughs> the spirit has left. <laughs> just kidding. League of I'm just Legends. Kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing around. I love League of Legends. Come on. Okay. Um, anybody else have questions in the room? Go ahead, Sora. Okay, so the question is, Sora's asking, is where in the Bible, um, when God created the heavens and the earth, where in that journey did the devil kind of come into play? Yeah, 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 can I borrow? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> mine's over CSB. there. CSB, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, this is like the one translation I haven't really spent any time Me neither, in. he's converting me, bro. Yeah, hey, I enjoyed what I heard. Uh, okay. So I got a couple things. First, uh, just like the idea, first off, of sin entering the world. It's actually something I've just been diving into myself here recently uh, in Romans 5. Um, And there's like so much in this where in verse 12 it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. Uh, But it says, in fact, sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to a person's account where there is no law. So like the idea of how sin came into the world, we understand how that came in through one man, through Adam, through the sin of Adam and Eve and all that. But like then to drill down to, okay, so that was the first sin of a person. And that we understand the ramifications of that that we deal with today. But that wasn't the first sin, period. Sin existed before that, whenever we understand the story of Satan and his sin and his rebellion and his pride and all that. But um, we see, like, some of the account, we see some of the details there, and it's a really interesting thing to study. Uh, But this also kind of falls under that um, idea of the Bible tells us everything we need to know, but not everything there is to know. Oh, that's good. So, like, the, the specific timing of, like, okay, is it between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2? Or, like, when did Satan fall like lightning? When did this exact thing happen in time? Um, I don't think we're going to understand all the details of that. We just understand that it happened somewhere between, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and... Uh, the sin of, of one man. The serpent is already there. That event has already taken place. Um, so that's one of those things we have to just accept by faith that I don't know exactly when that happened, but I understand the logical order 
that it happened. That makes sense. As to your answer. That's the whole reason we brought you, actually. <laughs> okay, I'll go sit down. Praise For God. that, praise God. God. Praise God. You can find Pastor Deustin. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that for sure. Was there any other questions? I have one. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I'll get you in the back after. really, really good. Um, McNackish just asked, basically in the idea of that there's still self-care needed in, in your life um, and in, in the terms of servant leadership that you need self-care as well, what are some biblical examples of that coming from the state of an empath, right? Someone that's more empathetic um, that does, he literally used the example that if they're not having a good time, I'm not having a good time. And so uh, to answer that question, the best, first thing that popped in my head immediately was Jesus was on the earth for three and a half years, um, give or take some days or months, and he had a very limited amount of time, right? He was doing ministry for three and a half years, correct, that's what I mean. Three and a half years doing ministry, and during that time, we see him do some very deliberate things. And so I always try to go back to Jesus first as a model, and then I'll go to like, the apostles, and so on and so forth down the list. But Jesus models it so well that I don't even think we need any other biblical examples uh, other than him because he shows that he would literally regress from the crowds. There were still people in those crowds that needed help. There were still people that were sick in those crowds. There were still people that needed food. But he knew that he could not keep pouring out. It wasn't possible. And so what did he do? He literally ran to the water. (laughs) Right? He, he ran. He went, I think Fife put this the other day. He ran into a storm to get away from people in the <laughs> sea. Like he knew that storm was coming. And he ran there because he needed to get away from those yeah. people. And not because there wasn't work to be done. Not because there wasn't people to serve. But because it wasn't healthy for him to maintain the pace he was maintaining. And so another really good example of seeing that is Jesus often would take 40-day fasts and leave. He would go into the desert by himself, and just be poured into by God. Could you think Jesus being on earth can do a lot more in 40 days than me, and I can do some work in 40 days. So that idea that he's pulling himself back because he understands the idea that as a human, you still need to have self-care. We still need to be poured into by God. Shows us such a great example of why self-care is such an important part of our walk but you need to always walk, and I don't mean toe the line, paying attention to when that turns to selfishness. Now, if you're locking yourself in your indoors for four weeks and you're grinding some game and you're not you know, shedding good witness to people and you're not being a good steward of your time, that is not healthy. Yeah. You know, that needs to be addressed in your own heart. But if you need a night off, well, God rested. I think we all need that, and that's a healthy thing to do. And so it's important to be intentional with the time that you do use. That's what Jesus was really good. He maximized everything. When he taught, he taught very specifically in usually pretty few words, yeah. at least what we have recorded, and made drastic impact. And so that's my answer.
to that question, yeah. I think in Christianity we talk a lot about uh, dying to yourself, but we don't talk enough about loving yourself. Mm. Yeah. The Bible is not trying to get you to hate yourself. It's just trying to get you to love yourself with the right proportion. That you are not, number one, that we are not the heroes of the Bible, that we are not, the, the sun does not revolve around every single one of us, but you are not to not love yourself. You are not to not take care of yourself. And it's super common to Christianity and in my life to, out of a good intention, I want to serve, 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 give, 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 then in the process, like, you crumble yeah. and fall apart. It's the analogy on the airplane. Before you can help others, you've got to put on your own face mask. And we saw Jesus, he would get away and he would spend time taking care of himself so that then he could go out Absolutely. and take care of others. And that's been, for me, just the number one lesson I've been learning in this season of my life is like, how do I take care of myself? How do I love myself the right amount? Because we focus so much on die to self. It's not about you. Absolutely. Be less. Less is more. I must decrease. <laughs> you know, and those are true, but in the right proportion. And so really learning to love yourself, acknowledge that I, I do need the right amount of care, that no one else is coming around to take care of me. Like I, I have to steward myself, my time, my energy. And sometimes you have to set boundaries yep. and respect for yourself that no, I, I, I can't do another thing yep. just because you want me to. <laughs> well, why can't you do it? No, and that is a complete sentence. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there is, there's boundaries that, to be honest, for years I was really bad at because I wanted to serve the Lord, man. Yeah, yeah. I love G, I want to serve him. But what I've learned is that one of the ways that you can actually love Jesus is by loving yourself. 100%. By taking care of yourself because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the more that you steward and take care of you, that is an act of worship to God. Great question. Great question. Go ahead. Struzy live in the back. All right. This is going to be a real deep question. So, first off, Vic's sitting up here watching. Okay. Struzy live wants Vic Sigma prepped for this amazing question. So make sure that I'm getting this correctly. So sometimes you feel paralyzed by the decision to serve and like how you get to that position. Like how do you begin to serve?
Okay, so the question better detailed is, how do you begin to serve with what you believe that God is pushing you to, even though other people have told you that you might not have what it takes? Hmm. Okay, perfect. Um, go ahead, Pastor Jason. Yeah, um, a, a quote that comes to mind that I've leaned on a lot throughout the years, and not only in, in ministry at my local church, also in, in streaming for the past few years, uh, I've had to come back to this quote. It's from Winston Churchill who said, um, you'll never get where you're going if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. Mm, uh, <laughs> which I think is just so good. Because, really I mean, especially being online, we understand that there's going to be dogs barking everywhere. And, like, it's, it's easy to just either, one, to listen to every voice. And that, that's already such a dangerous thing. You have to learn to, to listen to the right voices, Preach. the people that, you know, do value you, that do have connection with you, because you're going to have critics about everything. Every decision you make, someone's going to critique. Someone's going to say that wasn't right, or you shouldn't do this, or you can't do this, or whatever. But you have to just take that step of faith and say, you know, I believe the Lord has called me to do X, Y, and Z. So-and-so says I can't, so-and-so, whatever. And this is such a difficult thing. If I could like impart any spiritual gift to you, it'd be the spiritual gift of ignoring. You can learn to ignore people. <laughs> and I know that sounds like you're a pastor. You're supposed to love and care for people. Yes, I understand. But you also have to learn to ignore the noise because there's right. noise all around us. And if we, if we try to just listen to all of that, we're going to be paralyzed. Right. We're never going to be able to make progress. We're never going to get where we're going because we're throwing stones at every dog that barks. You've got to keep stepping forward and saying, okay, like maybe there's wisdom in that and I'll like take it with a grain of salt or maybe a mountain of salt. But in that, maybe you could go to someone that truly does know you, that truly does value Absolutely. you and say, hey, what about this? What do you think about this? Is this a blind spot? Is this something I haven't thought about? Um, but knowing what God has called you to, which is also such an important thing because sometimes we can even deceive ourselves in that and Absolutely. say, this is something I want so bad that I think God has called me to it. Or you have to say, no, Lord, I need to know. I need to know. And that's just a matter of prayer and, and listening. That's really, really good. I'm going to hit on that in a second, but first, no, no free brand deals here. No, no I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Advanced GG. Turn to the side. <laughs> no, no. I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just messing. Advanced GG, if you know, supporting Susie. Amen. We appreciate you. <laughs> Amen. Make the plug. <laughs> Make the plug. Um, when I think about that idea of people telling me that I can't do something, it immediately makes me want to try harder and do it. Um, so as soon as they tell me I'm too old, I don't have the ability. As soon as they tell me I'm like, you know, you're 33. If you wanted to go in the military, like, your time would be running out. If you wanted to go in the military, I'd be like, ah, I bet you I could do it. Like, and, um, that's my natural personality. I know not a lot of people have that. Uh, but there was one time that I specifically remember that was a life changing point for me. Um, I had my lead pastor who I was serving under for seven years, look at me and tell me I wasn't a leader. And he crushed me, crushed my soul. Um, immediately what I did was, how can I get better? Hmm. What can I do to improve? What can I do to become a leader then? Uh, and I believe truthfully from standing from this perspective, and I might be a little biased, but he was wrong. He was absolutely wrong, but he crushed my heart. And it took me a long time to be able to navigate what that would look like uh, spiritually. Like, what does it mean to be who God has called me to be? And when he's called me to lead leaders... <laughs> then what, it, what does that mean? And it took some self-reflection. It took some time. But it was one of those things that I had to ignore a barking, barking dog. And it was so funny because very shortly after, 
was in a conversation with him, and he's like, and I was like, well, you told me, like, I wasn't a leader and that I wasn't kind of cut out for this. What, what do I do? <laughs> like, and he's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yes, you did. <laughs> like, like, this isn't like I made this up in my head. Like, you specifically said, and then cut me down for about 20 minutes. And um, he's like, no, man, I, we actually wanted to put you in this position. I was like, I can't handle this. Like, what do I do? What do I do with this, like, this, this information? What do I do with this, this thing that I wrestled with? And maybe it was testing from God. I, I don't know. I don't understand the context. But I know that it made me take time to get alone with God and really press in. Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what you want me to do? Or have I made this up? Like, have I just built this own, uh, this own understanding of what I'm supposed to do? And I think it's so healthy to really be seeking after God, to be able to understand if you really are truly supposed to be there. And another thing I want to speak to is sometimes they're right. Yeah. Sometimes they're absolutely right. And if they are a trusted voice in your life, if it is one of your pastors, if it is one of you know, the leaders that you look to as a mentor, and they're telling you, hey, maybe this isn't for you, it might be correct. And they're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to, I've had to have those conversations. Um, and I've been wrong. I've been wrong yeah. before. You know, I've, <laughs> I'll tell a quick story and then we can move on. There was a, there was a student that I, that I had who, um, he couldn't sing. Like, he just couldn't. Like, it was so bad. It was hard to listen to. And he was struggling to play the guitar. He was struggling to sing. And, you know, the, the leader of that youth ministry at the time was, like, just letting him do it. And I was like, this is just not good. <laughs> like, why, why are we doing this? And he's like, he has potential. And I was like, that's cool. He can potentially do it somewhere else. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, that, that student who was only, like, two years younger than me, um, that he leads worship at Omega Church. Wow. And he's amazing. He's absolutely, he's written albums. He's a beautiful, beautiful worship leader. But I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it from my own. And it was flesh eyes. I wasn't praying about it. I was just like, this dude can't sing. Like, I had to get him away from the mic. Um, and so sometimes we get it wrong, but it is something to prayerfully consider and understand, like, is this person that's telling me maybe I can't do this, are they doing it because they just don't want me to be around? Or are they doing it for my own good? Uh, and oftentimes... I've seen that the people trusted, the people with the voices that you trust in your life are doing it because they love you. Um, and they see something that maybe you don't see, a blind spot you don't see. So, yeah, that's good. Can I add on that? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to touch on, you kind of mentioned it briefly, but I think, I think one thing that's not talked enough in the Christian faith is really the, the idea of skill. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. there is a skill to certain things Absolutely. that God is calling you to do. Now, it doesn't mean you need to be the best in the world or professional, whatever, but when trying to decipher, like, is this some, like, people are saying that I, that I can't do this, can I not? You really do need to develop some self-awareness to be able to be like, do I actually have a skill in this area? Yeah. Like, am I skilled enough to be able to take this to whatever level maybe I believe God's calling me to? And if I don't develop, have the skill currently, can I develop it? Yeah. Like, skill is a very important aspect that God wants us to develop. I'm forgetting the story, but even the Old Testament talks about like if you if you develop enough skill like you'll put yourself in front of kings like skill will open up opportunities for you and if opportunities aren't opening up for you you might have to ask like am i skilled enough in the area to get in the rooms i want to get in to get the opportunities i want to get in and if people don't see the skill in me now 
do I believe that I'm continuously making progress? Like, if I've been doing this 27 years and I'm still not very good, maybe it's time to move on to another hobby. Maybe, unless you're just doing it for fun, but if, if some people are just incapable of developing skills in certain areas. Like, there's things that I'm good at, and there's things that I'm trash at. No matter how hard I try, I cannot get good at them. Probably not where I'm called to serve in that area. And the idea of, like, this self-awareness of, am I, do I have the skill? And if not, can I develop that skill? And at the end of the day, like, sometimes you're just never 100% sure. Like, I'll be honest, 80% of, like, most of the time that I'm following what I believe God's calling me to do, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm, like, 80% sure. Yeah. Like, there are times where, like, you know that you know that you know, and then other times it's, like, if I wait till I know that I know, I probably waited too long. I missed, it. I missed oh, it's gone, it's yeah. over. Right. And so sometimes, like, you have to, you have to normalize, normalize failure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. failure is a stepping stone to getting where you want to go, and people are so afraid of other people being right that they never found out. But at the end of the day, like, you just won't know until you try. Yeah. Spend a year on it. Develop a skill. Try it. If it fails again and again and again, then you really need to decipher, like, is it time for me to keep pushing or is God closing a door that I can't open? Yeah. But I think for me, when I ask myself that question, like, am I good at this? Yeah. Or can I get good? And if not, maybe that's a decipher for me to know if it's something God wants me to do. Yeah. Really good. good. Pastor Balls put a question in chat early on. I get the question. This is to you, Susie. I get the question. Where should I read in the Bible, coming from veteran Christians, these individuals seem to be bored or feel they are not getting anything out of what they are reading? Without giving the Sunday school answer of one of the Gospels, how should someone answer why they aren't getting something out of the Bible and a reference point of where they should start? Oof. Man, that's a really good one. I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about that. First thing I would say is your heart posture matters so much. This isn't just even about reading the Bible. It's also about listening to preaching. People go into a, a sermon or a service, and they, their heart posture is, are you going to be able to entertain me? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be able to capture my attention? Yep. And there's very, very little focus on, I'm about to hear the living, breathing word of God spoken to me from God's word into my soul. And the heart posture, you, like you go into it being like, ah, this guy's probably not gonna be very good. You go into reading the Bible like, ah, it's probably gonna be another day. And your heart posture matters, because really is, I'm gonna be honest, like there's nothing wrong with the book. Well, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. Like I got issues, I got problems. This is flawless, I am not. And if you are reading God's word and you feel like you're getting nothing out of it, the first thing I say is like, check your heart. Yeah. Like every time before I go to read the Bible, I say a quick little prayer, something along the lines of like, Holy Spirit, help me to focus, help me to understand, but help me to realize like what I'm about to do. Yeah. I am about to read the living word of God. Help me to realize like these aren't just more words on a page, it's alive and active. I, I ask God to help me, help me find the wow factors. The things that I didn't notice before. Give me fresh new revelation. I've read this story a million times, but give me something new. But all that is doing is like it's stirring up your expectations. And if you're not expecting God to do something, you're really expecting God to do nothing. And so if you feel like you're reading the Bible and getting nothing out of it, you first want to check your heart. Like, do I even think that I can get something out of it? And how can I posture my heart to receive 
what God wants to have me. Because if I go into receiving with a closed hand, nothing can get in. That's Amen. Uh, amen, amen, amen. That's 100% agree. Um, as, as for like, a, okay, so with that in mind, with that heart posture, going into it with the right motive, with that attitude of prayer and expect, expectation to hear from God, um, if you're wanting a challenge, a place that I, I often point people is Hebrews. I say, man, a lot of times we'll spend time in the Gospels, we'll spend time in places where we're a little more comfortable, but uh, the book of Hebrews is, it, you cannot go fast through the book of Hebrews, because it's like, you start reading, and it's like, okay, I understand this, but every single line, practically, in Hebrews points to some huge concept in the Old Testament. So it's like, okay, well, I read this, but if I really want to understand this, okay, I need to go spend another couple hours in Exodus yeah. or Leviticus or whatever to understand what I'm reading. Um, so if you ever want a challenge, if you want to go a little deeper, slow down and spend some time in the book of Hebrews, and it, it, it just opens up the entire scripture so much more. It's incredible. I, I love every time I walk away from Hebrews. That's really good. Yeah, Hebrews is definitely, there's so many different challenging areas of the Bible, but like, just a, a quick example. Of, I've been reading the Bible this year for 20 years. Wow. Wow. 20 years is a long time. Yeah, yes. absolutely. 20 years, I still open my Bible, and I read something that I'm like, what? Yeah, for That's real. That's in there? For so, real, like, bro. It'll sometimes move my entire theology. Yeah. And, like, the makeup of how I think about things of, like, and then I'll start cross-referencing, and I'm trying to, I'm like, this is like a through line, a thread through the entire Bible, and I had no idea. Right. I suck at being a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and as a human. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like, what is wrong with me? Like, how do I? But the truth is, is I truly do believe that when you open your Bible with expectation, like Susie was saying, or you come to a sermon with an expectant heart, God will always speak. There's a sermon illustration or an idea, and it's the sermon. It's called uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Mm. And the man who preached that sermon was, as described, the most monotone voice that people had ever heard speak. <laughs> he would speak with his notes like this because he couldn't see. He had bottle Coke glasses. He would speak with his notes like this and talk just like this. And then God would come down and there would be a raining, and you would see it. And I'm not kidding. Like, he was described as, and he preached this sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And the impact of the spirit that happened in that room is in the eyes of, a, of someone that's a scholar of Christianity, of early church, of, you know, modern church. It is one of the most profound sermons preached. Yeah, Absolutely. People said that they literally that there was grip marks on the pews because they felt like they were falling into the pits of hell. Wow. Mm. There's so much to be said about the idea of what the Spirit can do in your heart if you just come with good expectation. I often have bad expectations, Get right? Yeah. I often have a problem where I come in and I'm like, man, I've heard this guy talk before. And it's just like, I don't let God do what he does. Because the truth of the matter is, whether it's you reading the Bible or it's you hearing a, a sermon, the Holy Spirit is doing the work. Right. Everything else is just the vessel. Your eyes reading the words is just the vessel. The preacher speaking the words is just a vessel. The Spirit is doing the work. Amen. Yeah. And so 
Yeah, that posture of your heart. Like, I would say if you're not getting anything out of reading the Bible, then you're probably not praying. Mm. Yeah. You're probably not Ooh, meditating. Touch on that. Boom. You're probably not praying. You're probably not <laughs> meditating. Because the truth is, is like that is where that posture turns, where it changes, where it, it begins to turn differently because your expectation changes. You're aligning with God changes. And it's so important that you take those times. And so, yeah, when I hear that, my first thought is, I bet you don't have a great prayer life. Um, and I've said it myself, and it's because I didn't have a great prayer life. Yeah, been there, dude. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can speak from experience. And, yeah, it's a great question, Pastor Boz. Any other questions in the room? Oh, we got questions now. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the bottom of it? Okay. Oh, you got me. Okay. Um, my question is, all that's great, but yes, like coming in with study guides and like reading N.T. Wright or, you know, like that's kind of part of when I get stuck maybe in something that I go and get find new fresh eyes through somebody else who's yeah. studied it for a long time. Who are some of those, if you guys do use study guides or whatever um, to help like Pastor Dustin, mm -hmm. what do you use to write a sermon, you know, or something like that? Who do yeah. you go to? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I, I utilize a lot of different commentaries. Um, like a, one of my favorite tools, and I think it's just one of the greatest things ever made, is Logos, <laughs> Logos Bro. Bible Software. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's free, the software, but it's like a, a digital library uh, where you can, you can buy all these different books and commentaries, whatever. I use that all the time. But because um, I, I, don't, I don't just have bookshelves. I don't know what happened. Like houses just don't have bookshelves ev nope. everywhere anymore. My office doesn't have a single bookshelf. In it. Well, actually it does, <laughs> but it has like video games and statues yeah, Goku on it and stuff, you know? <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so I, I use a lot of different commentaries. Um, I also, I utilize study Bibles. They're, they're very helpful. Uh, one of my favorite new tools, actually, is um, uh, the NET Full Notes Edition. I just got it, and I've been loving that thing. So it, it's just, it's a Bible, uh, but, like, on, on the page, um, maybe, like, this much, Right here, just this little bitty area will actually be the text. All around it in three columns is translation notes. Oh, wow. It's cool. insane. <laughs> I've been using that so much. You can get it for like 30 bucks on Amazon or something. Yeah. So cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, I use different study Bibles, uh, and I cross-reference all those, and I'll, I'll follow up on all those, and I use them in, in sermon writing and everything. But commentaries are, are extremely helpful. Um, I've Last year, I purchased the uh, New International uh, Commentary set, of the Old and New Testament, something I wanted forever, and it goes on sale all the time, but bought it digitally on Logos, and I can just access it anywhere, right. and man, like I, I tell you, I said, I've been in Romans 5 here recently, so I've been uh, doing a, a study stream on YouTube, and we've been at it for four months now. And we just got to chapter five. Wow. <laughs> and we're doing that a few times a week because we're walking through not only the text, but also a commentary. And we're just going real, real slow. There's so many tools out there. Uh, we, we truly are blessed to live in the day that we do For where real. we stand on the shoulders of giants of literal millennia of people who have studied and written and wrote and all, all this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, th there's endless, endless things. What are some of them that, that y'all enjoy using? So I actually use the same thing, logos.com, L-O-G-O-S.com. And like you said, it's got tons of commentary, which if you don't know what that is, they're basically books written by scholar where they give their commentary on the explanation of the Bible. 
and there's tons of different versions you get. There are paid versions, but there's yeah. also a ton of free, and they will just bring so much clarity that you might not get from reading the Bible. One of the most overlooked things in the Bible is genealogy. So there's parts of the Bible, think about Matthew 1, where it's like, this guy was the son of this guy, and the son of this guy, who was married to this guy, and his third cousin was this guy, and we just kinda like skip over those things. We're like, oh yeah, get to the point. But the reality is like if you understand like the genealogy of those things, like it really brings like insane revelation. Like I love where it introduces like Jesus and his lineage, and it makes sure to go all the way back to David. And it's like, but when you understand like David, sure, he was a, he was a man after God's own heart, but David also committed adultery. Right. And so like you start really realizing like, man, if I'm going to tell people like who I want to be associated with, like I might leave the adulterer out, you know? <laughs> right, right. But then you realize like by understanding that genealogy, like Jesus wasn't, a, he wasn't ashamed to be associated with David. Hmm. Did Jesus love David? Yeah, like yeah. I'm a descendant of David. I'm proud of David. It brings a whole new light to just like, this guy's son is this guy, this guy. And it's like, when you understand those little details that commentary and historical facts will give you, it will, it really does make the Bible. It doesn't give the Bible more power, but it gives it more clarity. Yeah. And it'll help you a lot. I'm usually really bad with names, but I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Um, so if I'm going to use like some kind of biblical resource, or if I'm trying to use something just like to kind of understand historical context, it's one of the things that I'm really passionate about is understanding the Bible from the way that it was written and not necessarily how we put on our lenses of today's bias on it. Um, And so I will read, uh, you know, early, early church fathers, um, Tertullian, or I'll even, you know, sometimes open up Josephus and try to understand what, he's, what his thoughts were on it. You have to be careful, though, because there's a reason they're extra-biblical literatures or they're historical references. Like, even within Josephus, which is one of our probably more referenced historical facts to the early ways of the ways that the Jews were interacting in the New Testament. It's full of propaganda. And so, like, he, was, he, had, a, he had a mission he was trying to complete, right? And that's a lot of, a lot of books are. Um, and so... There's always something you have to be, be wary of as well. And so I'm a little bit careful when I do this. But I love, I love reading the, the books that were um, sometimes seen in the Apocrypha. That's extra biblical. That's not in the Bible. Um, they do bring some interesting contexts out into what was happening because they are early writings right. and they're important. Um, one I just read recently was this, uh, there's a book called The Shepherd something. Um, the Shepherd of Hamas. I think it's The Shepherd of Hamas. And it's, Hamas is mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned in the New Testament. Um, and he wrote this, this book. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful visions of what God was doing in his life. Um, and so I do things like that to keep things interesting often. Um, but Spurgeon, Moeller, um, you know, are some of the guys that I, I look at. But not all of these guys are perfect. You have to realize that too. It's like, yeah. just because they're a scholar doesn't mean they have everything. But even Tim Keller's work, you know, um, rest in peace, uh, you know, has some beautiful commentary on um, the Bible. Pastor Deuston said it. I think the greatest commentary collection that is probably out, and I'm going to stand on this, is NICOT, um, which is the new... New International Commentary of the Old Testament and New Testament, yeah. And then there's one for the, yeah, I don't know how you'd say that, NICINT, N-I-C-N-T. Those are great commentaries that taken a lot, a lot of time, and there's a lot of different authors, um, and so they're really, really great as well. Um, 
But yeah, a good study Bible will always be a good thing too. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Any other questions? River. on again okay now it's on so the <laughs> first question is how long have you all been in ministry each of I went, that's for each of you it was asked earlier in chat so i just bringing it up it was my mom so i gotta bring it up <laughs> nice. and uh Hi, mom. my second question though is um as you're preparing to do a sermon or a bible study or something how do you decide what you're going to do Basically, I'm trying to figure out what to lead my group in, and I don't even know where to start. So it's like, where do I start finding something to help lead my group? Awesome. Let's start off with how long have you been in ministry for? Okay. I've been in ministry at my local church. Uh, We're in our 15th year of pastoral ministry there, and then I've been doing streaming ministry for about four and a half years. I I think I was 18 when I started preaching every week at like a... It's like basically like a group that I started with people I was telling about Jesus. So 18, some 32. Is that 14 years? Yeah. yeah. 17 years. I started preaching at 16, traveling and doing meetings and things like that. And yeah, it was, oh, I didn't really probably start preaching well until oh, yeah, that first I was 25. <laughs> but no, um, doing ministry, I started really young before that even. But um, 16 is when I guess I took an authority position, sure. if people want to look at it that way, uh, where I was more speaking and preaching and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. beautiful. You guys are beasts. Here too. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of years on this this little panel here. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing I want to highlight about Pastor Deucin is um, it's very rare to stay in the same church for as long as Pastor Deucin has. And I think Respect. that needs to be celebrated. Respect, uh, it's bro. beautiful that you've put down roots somewhere and you've really, you've invested into Tyler. Yeah. And that's so cool to see. Yeah. Um, it's something that I literally, it's something I think about often of like how amazing that is. <laughs> I have a, I have a, um, a wanderer's heart. And yeah. so like, it's very difficult for me to think, but I do, I, I don't idolize it, but I do. I have so much respect for it. Yeah. And so thank you for all this years Absolutely. of service you put there. It's There's amazing. a lot of value in that where yeah. you get to walk through life with people, especially because the first 14 years of that, we were in children's ministry. and But we've been like the associate pastors the whole time too. So we help with whatever. But this year we've transitioned into youth ministry. And so like now whenever I go into a youth service, I'm just like, Oh, these are like the same kids from 2016 or whatever, you so know. Cool. It, but I've been able to walk through life with them. I was I was telling these guys the other uh, night a couple a couple weeks ago we got to host a quinceañera for a young lady who just turned 15, but she grew up in the church. Like when she was born, they started attending the church. So like I've known her her entire life, you know. Be able to walk through that with her, there is a lot of value in that. That's cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. So we're going to wrap up with that question, and then we'll be done. I know that we're a little bit over, but I think that it's an important question. I think it's a good question to ask, and often I found myself lost in trying to figure that out myself. So how do you guys prepare for a message? How do you land on the topic you're going to teach? If you're even doing a Bible study, maybe, how do you know what you're supposed to do? Sure. Yeah. Or oh, I'm going to go first? Yeah. Uh, so a few things for me. Uh, I think there's a few ways to go about it. First of all, obviously, I'm, I'm praying and seeking God, right? Is there something specific that God wants me to talk about? But sometimes, like, you don't just get this, like, divine revelation of, like, oh, man, God, I flipped open a page, and there there it is, you know? (laughs) Like, you don't always get, like, such a clear answer from prayer. And so the few things that I will use, one, is there something that God is doing in my heart, in my life, that I feel maybe God wants to do more public than just private? Because that's another thing I got to decipher. God just, like, 
Is this just meant for me or for other people? But sometimes I'll kind of decipher that. But I think the big part, especially about when you're talking about like teaching people, understanding like the role of a shepherd. So whether you're a pastor, small group leader, God has really called you and assigned you to a group of people. And it's important to know those people. And as you know the people, you will just get a feel for like what, what maybe could be beneficial in this season. Like let's just give a real general topic. Like if you're you know, leading a church or a small group and you've been noticing that there's been some gossiping going around, well, maybe let's, just, let's address gossip. Yeah. Let's see what God's word would say about this. Let's bring some medicine to the current sickness that is there. But if you know the symptoms of the people, you know what medicine they need in that moment. Not that you know, preaching any of the Bible would be bad, but when you just you know, when you're aware. Like honestly, when I would preach at God's Squad Church, like I would just throw out the week, even just be like looking through Discord. What are people talking about? What are people struggling with? What are people saying? And then how can I bring something to it that would benefit what the people are going through? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as far as prayer. Like I'll, I'll pray. And sometimes, you know, you get that just, hey, this is the word for those people for that day. And awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Could you do that next week too? And every week, please. That would make things a lot easier. Uh, but usually that, that doesn't happen. So um, the, the two main ways that I do that uh, are, one, just like working through a book. Um, and there, there is a lot of value in that because often, uh, we'll, we'll jump over certain things that are just not as fun or whatever, or, but whenever you take time and say, well, I have to preach on this, or I have to study through this, I can't just jump over it. Then it helps you grow. It really does. You know, it helps me like doing this Romans thing. There's been so many things that I've just jumped over in the past that, that really have stood out to me in this study. So that there's a lot of benefit in that, but my favorite way to do it is uh, to let people ask questions so good. and then like have time to develop a teaching. So that's one of my favorite things to do online is, is uh, I have in my Discord, I have a channel just for ideas for Bible studies. And people will throw interesting things in there and I'll say, man, that is a good question. I've never thought about that. Like one of my favorite ones that we've done is, where did Jesus go between the time that he died and rose again? I was like, that's a really good question. <laughs> We're going to dive into that. So like we end up looking through every kind of like Old Testament understanding of all these, you know, eternal type places and what is this? What is that? And we just dive through all of it. So like once we have all the context, then we can put it together. So it's like listening for what's going on, what people are dealing with, what people are asking, and then creating something that will help bring light to that, bring uh, just a teaching moment, and it, it helps me so much too. So that, that's my favorite way. It's, it always makes for fun discussion and, and diving deeper. It's really good. Um, yeah, for the most part, most of my teaching, preaching career, it was, everything was done topically. Um, I just felt led by God to, to speak that way, and so that's what I did. Um, I spent a lot of time in prayer. Like, I can say one of the, the virtues that I have, you know, I had a, a really hard time reading my Bible um, and getting into the Word of God, but one of the things that God blessed me with is just a passion to pray, and um, I pray a lot, and I pray for everything, <laughs> and I think because of that, I stewarded a relationship with God that um, He would just speak to me of what I felt like He wanted me to speak, and so I did that for a long time, um, and recently, within the last year and a half, year or so, um, you know, he really challenged me to start preaching systematically, uh, expositorily, 
through the book of Luke. We've been going through that God Squad. And I still felt like that was a prompting from him, but it's not like I'm getting a fresh message every week. It's a, you're going to preach through this. And it's been a challenge, and it's been interesting. And it's taking my teaching to a different level um, because it's, it's not just um, motivation, you're right? It's not just inspiration. It's drilling things down to understand the Bible in a more literate way. Yeah. And I really, really love it. And it's been, honestly, really life-changing for me. And so I've loved that. Um, if I'm doing a teaching, though, like, like today, like I did on um, uh, servant leadership, that's a burden in my heart. And I just, that's I have good. such a burden for people learning what it is to be a servant leader. And, you know, there's a couple mantras that will come in my life, right? Like the things that I am passionate about. Suffering. I believe the church doesn't have a good understanding of suffering, so I talk about it a lot. Um, so I think some of the things, too, are motivated by the things we've been through and kind of the message that God has placed specifically on our heart. I had a professor in college who would always <laughs> preach about the Holy Spirit, no matter what. Yeah, he did. And so <laughs> he believed that was what God had called him, put him on this earth to do. So that's what he did. Um, and so sometimes I think things are motivated out of that as well. But, yeah, listening to the, to the heart of God, I think, is is ideal. And then I think when you can formulate and not skip around to what you like or what's easy, um, trust me, there's some sermons I've preached in the last year that have been really difficult for me to formulate because I just didn't understand, like, what do you want me to say here? And so, but it's so beautiful because it's the Bible and God wants to speak something and it's not about me. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys so much for hanging out with us, um, being a part of this. Before we go, Pastor Deustin, where are you on the interwebs and what do you do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you can find me primarily on Twitch. Uh, stream on Twitch uh, a couple days a week uh, because I am, you know, in, in local ministry, whatever. Uh, my time is, is during the day, so I stream during the day on Twitch. I do Bible studies and prayer streams and gaming uh, in the afternoons and uh, just finished Elden Ring, so I got to figure out my next big game. Come on. Not Subnautica. So everyone <laughs> loves to torture me with that stupid game. I hate it. Counter Strike 2. Uh, <laughs> Anything, Praise anything God. would be better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pastor Deustin, and then I take those Bible studies and, and things that we do, and I upload them over on YouTube. Sweet deal. Oh, uh, yeah, Deustin's Fish Tank, yeah. <laughs> twitch.tv slash Deustin's Fish Tank, 24-7 live stream with a 4K cam of my fish tank in my church office with like beautiful piano video game cover music. An aquarium experience. Bro, that's, yeah. that's tier two worthy. It, it's amazing. I made it just for my kids Facts. to watch, but everybody loves it. So check it out. I oh, Suzy Live. I stream over at twitch.tv slash Suzy Live. You can follow me on all platforms under that name. I play a whole lot of World of Warcraft. That is kind of the niche, the game that I know the best and the most skilled at. It's my best game. I love it. And uh, I lead a community called Unity Gaming, which is pretty much a World of Warcraft community beginning to expand into other games on a mission to bring an end to toxicity and loneliness in the gaming community. And really, I just use it as a way to connect with people that play that game. And like we've been talking about throughout this time, then using my life to show people who Jesus is by just being around them. And so I don't do a ton of preaching on my stream, uh, except at the end, I pause and pray and share the gospel. But it's more about me just living my life in front of people, and then they get to see Jesus that way. Beautiful. So good. And you're sponsored by some people. I tried to throw him a softball earlier, but I think he misinterpreted what I was trying to do. I, I, didn't, know if you, I didn't want to yeah, sell yeah, out. No, dude. no, no, no. Definitely sell out. But I mean, if you do want He's to save 10%, sponsors. Go ahead. you can use code Susie at advancedgg.com.
That's and also right. Techni, uh, techni Sport, if you're looking for a gaming chair that is much more comfortable than the one you're currently sitting on. <laughs> you can also save 10% free shipping US, correct? Great customer service as well. So good. They got your back, literally. So, so, so funny. Um, no, we're, I'm just so, I'm thankful. Like, honestly, I, I wanted him to say that because I'm so thankful for the companies that do invest in you guys. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a beautiful relationship. And if it can get you whatever it can get you, that's amazing. And so I'm, I'm behind it. So anyway, yeah, I know he wouldn't have done it himself, so I knew I had to. So we love you guys. We're going to head into lunch now. Um, we are out of the building by three. Am I correct there, Pastor Amanda? Three. And so we got to make sure that we're sewed up and we clean up our mess and make sure that we're being good stewards of the space. If you're online, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Have a fantastic afternoon. We'll see you soon. I love you, Pastor Boss. Peace.